my power went out for like, I want to say like three hours today. Um, I don't actually know because I, I just started a new not at home <laughs> job. Uh, funnily, I, I heard about it not from the power company because I don't actually have an account with them, um, but from Verizon who uh, emailed to let me know that my internet wasn't working because the power was out, which is funny because you know that there are people sitting there yeah. in their in their pitch dark homes with like, you know, calling Verizon to be like, why isn't my internet working? Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, um, during the day, and if you have a home made before we got very stupid with construction, you might not have any daylights because you just have enough light. Yeah, but if you're sitting at a computer, well, I guess all computers are laptops. <laughs> or iPads. Yeah, that's true. I guess I guess it's easier than ever uh, not to notice that your electricity has, in fact, gone out. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure, like, the cats were very alarmed by all the UPSs <laughs> just beeping. There are, uh, let's see, there's one, two... Three downstairs. So there's five of them all together. Hmm. Five, maybe six. Anyway, but each of them is only good for about, I don't know, 10 minutes maybe, depending on the device. Yeah, all of yours <laughs> are sized to endure the blips of branches hitting power lines, but not the tree landing on the power lines. Yeah, and I guess somewhere a tree landed on a power line because like... 2,000 people were <laughs> without power. Well, there were a bunch of outages. It was real windy here, although not as bad as Buffalo. It seems remiss that I don't think we've done an entire episode about UPSs, although I feel like we must have mentioned them several times, yeah. um, especially during, like, storm <laughs> storm episodes. Not that they're, like, super amazingly useful for storms, but... Um, well, okay, so I guess uh, we can tangent onto this then. Uh, so the UPS I have on my Mac Pro, I have the one APC makes that has a plug in it for another UPS that you plug into it that's the same size, but instead of some battery and a lot of component, it's, it's weight in battery. Hmm. So it gives you like five times what the duration of the primary unit is. Um, That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, and of course, the supplemental unit is completely useless by itself. It only works with this <laughs> thing. Um, but the way I have my Mac scheduled is, so this should give um, a 2013 Mac Pro about... <laughs> you mean the latest Mac Pro? <laughs> yeah. It should give the trash can about an hour. Um but that's a 300-watt appliance. I have it set to shut down fairly quickly once it detects it's on that. Because after that, I then have an enormous battery connected to an inverter that I can use for very, very small devices like phones and rechargeable flashlights. Which I guess the phone is also one of those. Right. Uh, for the rest of an extended outage. And I do encourage people to um, overbuy under UPSs, um, you know, buy one per thing. You don't want being foiled by a power outage, um, buy the biggest one you can, uh, reasonably get for said thing. You 
probably don't have to pay for the lithium ones yet. I don't think they're quite there in terms of um, like the amperage they can put out. I know that like router grade ones are okay because routers sip like 10 watts nowadays, but mm. like the lithium ones for computers are just prohibitively expensive. So you can get ye old lead acid ones. Um, you don't need a lithium battery. I mean, it's not... It's it not going anywhere, be, yeah. Right? It doesn't need to be portable. You can buy 40 <laughs> pounds of lead-acid battery <laughs> yeah. and set it down on the floor, and it'll be fine. Yeah, in fact, if you, like, have cats and stuff, like, heavy is a feature. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although it's also a feature if the button is on, like, the side uh, or somewhere they can't press it with their feet, because oh. that happens. Yeah. Uh, so my standing desk has a lot of levels on it, and I have mine um, between the highest fixed level and the adjustable top level. And it just so happens that the height I like having that desk at is exactly the height of the UPS. So that button is damn near inaccessible. Yeah, that's that's good because I've yeah. definitely had the cats turn off surge protectors and and UPSs. Yeah, <laughs> by fiddling around under my desk. Like, thanks, Dale. Yeah, it's Dale. It's always Dale who does that. He's the one that's most prone to shenanigans. <laughs> yes, he's full of mischief. Um, luckily, he's so cute. Yeah. Um, and APC. Um, I'm not endorsing them as a brand, but I'm familiar with their product line because you know mm -hmm. everybody who has an IT job kind of has to They're familiarize like the themselves standard. with their product line. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe not their best, but they're, you know, consistent. <laughs> um, and they do make ones that finally, hashtag finally, have <laughs> some UPS ports on them. They've just <laughs> started making them with, uh, you know, two amp ports, like type A ports and... Mm type C ports that are also like two amps. They're not power delivery or whatever, but um, because that's DC to DC, that does save you potentially a fan running and an active AC converter, which could be, you know, sipping away some power if you have to charge things on that, um, you know, in an actual emergency. So something to keep in mind if, you know, there is one with the USB port on it, I don't not recommend it over the one that doesn't. <laughs> Uh, and also, if you can have one plugged into um, a computer, um, or at least if you're going to plug one into a computer, go high enough in the line that it has the controlled by master port on it. And I'm not going to say that again because we need better words for these things. We really do. Um, but for now, that is the label on it. And... What that port does, it, you know, it's a, a normal uh, AC120, uh, sorry, European listeners, port on it. <laughs> um, and you plug your computer into that one. And then there are ports that are controlled by that port. So you plug your computer into that, I'll say primary for now. And you plug the USB cable that comes out of the UPS into the computer. That way the computer sees the UPS as a battery and you get the shutdown options in uh, OS X without driver installation, which is fantastic. Yes. Your computer automatically shuts down based on the parameters you specify with the sliders. And then it stops 
providing power as well to anything plugged into the ports that are labeled as controlled by the primary. So like your monitors, your printer, your... Hard drives, especially Sonos hard drives. speakers, right. Right. You know, all the things that are useless without the computer still working, but if they were plugged straight into the UPS's battery supplying ports, they would continue to sip power because, you know, vampire devices, some of which use a lot, some of which use a little. You wonder how, you know, much like hard drives with lights that light up the room that you have <laughs> to tape over are sipping, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I have I have just my drives in that and I have my displays plugged into just the surge only ports because, you know, yeah. I'll let the computer turn itself off. Yeah. I need to actually locate the USB cable for my PSs. I know I must have a hundred of them, not really, but probably 10 lying around. I just don't know where. Yeah. And some of them have type A, but some of them have like the RJ45 to type B thing on them. So yeah, I think mine are, subs are mostly the uh, phone cord style, yeah. <laughs> which is so weird. Yeah. Um, like classic <laughs> yeah <laughs> because um, it's really a serial port on the inside that's being adapted twice yeah which you know whatever it's fine, fine. Whatever. it works it works the point is it works driverless <laughs> if i had to install right. a driver i would use another brand yeah it was i remember when you used to like in, on windows you would install software that came on a cd <laughs> with, <laughs> with your ups and it was like wow one more thing to go wrong for my thing that prepares me for when things go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's your brief lesson in backup batteries for your computers. <laughs> Not that brief, it turns out. <laughs> yeah. And I did put a topic in around uh, Christmas time, but then uh, you had some vacation or something. So we uh, mm -hmm. uh, ended the year early. But I did have this as a, uh, like, we ran out of topics topic. But uh, you get it now instead. But the uh, yeah. title of that document was uh, This Year Give the Gift of Uninterruptible Power. <laughs> so you have, you know, what, Still six, valid. nine months or whatever for the next uh, December or, you know, whatever holidays or birthdays you right. have in between. Also suitable for other gift giving occasions. Exactly. <laughs> it's a great thing. You know, buy one for yourself first. Learn everything there is about it. And then, you know, buy a cheaper one for your parents, brother-in-law, whatever. Yeah, and they'll be really excited when you hand them a wrapped gift that's like 30 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they're really not going to know what it yeah. is. <laughs> and then they're going to unwrap it, and depending who they are, they're not going to know what it is. And you'll get to explain it. And yeah. It, and explain that um, you can't plug the refrigerator into it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a serious use you can use of it, um, uh, CPAP machine. They draw very little power, but it is obviously very bad if they stop working while you're asleep and, you know, they are up your nose. Yeah, those are pretty important Yeah, um, for keeping people alive and stuff. Yeah. Well, not alive, but, you know, just... I mean, sometimes alive, sleep. depending on the severity of oh, your apnea. Yeah. And if you live alone and there's nobody yeah. to, like, jab you awake if you stop breathing. Yeah. So, you know... If you know anyone or you yourself is a user of one of these, uh, go ahead, buy the big one. It uh, probably costs as much as the machine. And oh, another fun fact. 
Uh, those things are about a hundred bucks if you like just buy one. But if you like insurance tells you you need one, you know, they're like a thousand to ten thousand dollars to, <laughs> you know, whatever the fuck Pfizer feels like telling you it is that day. Yeah. But they're realistically like a hundred dollars, which is in the same ballpark as the UPS. Yeah, I bought a TENS unit for when I have back pain or cramps. Apparently it's pretty good for cramps and I have tried it. It does seem to work uh, at least as a placebo. It makes me feel better about my cramps, even if it doesn't actually make <laughs> my cramps feel better. Because uh, it's kind of an interesting sensation when you're buzzing yourself with a little, <laughs> with a nine volt battery. And that thing was like 20 bucks. Yep. I Googled what settings to use and it's great. Yeah. So take that information uh, and you use it wisely. Roughly sound. And now the real topic. Imagine, imagine that gif, that, that one with Oprah and it's bees in there. Yeah. I love that so much. I get so much it's, mileage it's awesome. out of that one. <laughs> Same. I use it anytime anybody mentions bees anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it goes well with the uh, tip we gave last episode for sending uh, the bee emoji sent with Echo. Mm. Um, but in regard to swarms of things and with our uh, continuing uh I guess, coverage on the Green New Deal. I guess it's coverage mm -hmm. if it's not a bill <laughs> yet and not voted down yet. Huh. Um, is that with climate change, we are predicting an explosion in pest species um, at the expense of non-pest insects that are fairly useful, like bees and other pollinators like butterflies um, mm. and things we like that take care of gross things for us like dung beetles and other things <laughs> that process various animal waste. It's so unfortunate that all of our friends are so fragile and all of our enemies are strong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like cockroaches, we will never, the earth will never be rid of cockroaches. There will only ever be more of them no yeah. matter what happens. The sun could explode and that there will be cockroaches who adapt to that. Yeah. Um, and this is another thing where it's um, why the Green New Deal has to pursue every solution is because um, uh, employing multiple solutions is a positive need, uh, a positive feedback loop that has to fight the existing negative feedback loops that are causing our problems. And the negative feedback loop that's causing the explosion in pest species populations is that climate change leads to shitty crop yield, which leads to dangerous farming practices that contribute to climate change, <laughs> that contribute to more dangerous farming practices that contribute to climate change. Yeah, it's a hell of a thing. Like, so back in the day, you, way back in the day, <laughs> you would, you know, grow whatever, cotton for a couple of seasons. And then you couldn't grow any more cotton because it was done. And you had to grow some soybeans for a while and yep. some other stuff. And you, so you had like, you know, crop rotation was like this huge, this fantastic, amazing innovation. 
in like the 18th century. Yeah. And we've kind of forgotten about that. Right. Um, and even crop rotation isn't ideal, but it's better than just straight up. This is a corn farm and it will always be a corn farm. Right. There's corn as far as the eye can see in any given direction. And we are determined that there always shall be because we, uh, I don't know, have very little imagination. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the reason for that is because, um, so we've talked about before automation used for evil versus good. Automation used for good is like, oh, a computer can fill out this spreadsheet for me. I don't need to do that. I can go home. Um, and automation used for evil is, well, if you have uh, about four square miles of just corn, mm -hmm. you can build a tractor that is hundreds of feet wide. <laughs> Yeah. That is made <laughs> only for handling literal acres of corn at a time. The scale of machinery is pretty bananas. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can see the argument for equipment better than a, a mule, <laughs> a mule team and a wooden plow. But like... There's a limit. <laughs> at a certain point when you've got like a $400,000 machine, like, I don't know, maybe farming is too big at that point. Yeah. So these uh, corn super farms, and this goes for all crops, and we'll get to a few examples, but I'm going to pick on corn because the U.S. has a problematic uh, relationship with corn, um, which is also itself one of these uh, feedback loops because we have so much fucking corn that we have figured out other things to use corn for. Right. Things you have not even remotely considered. Like, I'm not talking about corn syrup. I mean, like, well, it turns out that all animal feed is now corn anyway. So if yeah. you get rid of the corn, like, the entire system collapses. <laughs> Which is maybe okay. <laughs> like... Yeah, I, yeah. So um, I'm going to say Big Pharma with an F a couple times in this episode. Mm. I know that joke isn't funny when you don't see it typed out, but you're just imagine it in it. your head. So every time I say Big Pharma, it's with an F. Big Pharma. Get it? Because, like, big pharma? Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> so, the big pharma corn farms <laughs> um, are made out of oil. There's no other way to say it, because um, the pesticides are petrochemicals, and all those um, literally mind-boggling scale machines or oil-powered and, you know, uh, oil-lubricated. Uh, and then they go and give things to other machines, which are powered by energy, which, of course, is brown energy, which, of course, at some point means oil, even if it's literally not. But it's the Midwest, so it probably is anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but the big problem is uh, the pesticides and the monoculture and I'm glad we did our vaccine episode first because mm -hmm. uh, we touched briefly on the difference between why vaccination is uh, not only perfectly okay but encouraged and why antibiotics for their own sake breed superbugs. Um, and pesticides are not a vaccine. 
they are an antibiotic. In, in fact, in the case of uh, like uh, livestock, some cases they literally are antibiotics. Mm. What happens when you spray corn with oil-derived poison is you have survivors. And sometimes it's survivors in you know the sense of like, you know, well, I suppose not everyone dies when a bomb goes off. Sometimes you get lucky because of a way a piece of debris stacked in front of you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But also, you also get the population of like, eh, that poison wasn't so bad. <laughs> oh, you right. thought that poison wasn't so bad either? Let's have sex and pass that on. Right. You're around and <laughs> yeah. nobody else seems to be, so cool. We'll have little baby bugs who will also very likely be resistant. Yeah, and everything in that horrible kingdom reproduces in uh piles of microscopic eggs so right you only need the pair of survivors to have a problem if their uh you know parts match up yeah it's too bad we're doing such a great job of making like amazing versions of things that we don't want right (laughs) like that's what humanity has been doing for the last hundred years or so we're just making like the most super badass versions of things that we hate yep. <laughs> while we systematically destroy everything that we love and or need to survive. Yeah. So the pesticides are creating the pesticide-resistant uh, cockroaches. I mean, it's other things, but let's just say cockroaches because they're universally reviled. Um, and the other thing that creates super cockroaches or maybe not super cockroaches but the monoculture itself without the pesticide created the corn cockroach because Mm. um with all the corn around you have this cockroach that and again i'm using cockroach generically um maybe has a thing for corn and because they are a species that reproduces in swarms um Mm. all of the ones that are specialized in corn uh, reproduce to take over this entire field and there's no natural predator for it because maybe the habitat for whatever predates on the particular pest is like apple trees or hmm. something that just isn't part of monoculture farming or <laughs> something that is not of, corn yeah, just something that isn't corn <laughs> so they're not going to go into the cornfield you know like like you know let's say it's even snakes You know, like if they're hanging out in the grass, you know, across the street and they have to venture into the cornfield, you know, maybe they won't. Or maybe they won't um, on account of the poison. Right. The poison's not not that great for snakes either, probably. And the cockroaches themselves are probably poison as well. Yeah. Um, And of course, um, the corn is also poison. (laughs) <laughs> and we have some fairly weak regulations on taking care of that. Uh, and this is another thing that really grinds my gears. Um, so if you are a farmer and you want to sell something in like a real actual store, you don't have to list whatever the fuck you sprayed on shit to grow it. But if you want that I didn't spray shit organic label, you have to go through government red tape and inspections, and there's not enough inspectors, so one's never going to show up anyway. Well, you can see why, though, because otherwise everybody would just put that label on regardless of the truth. 
Right. But if only the regulation wasn't written by Big Pharma. Yeah, that would be better. You think it would go in the other direction? You know, it'd be like, this corn was made with the following horrifying sounding chemicals. <laughs> right. Like it should be like cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. And then, although. More of uh, our food should be like cigarettes. Yeah. But I'll also argue that I don't think the Surgeon General's warning made a dent in smoking. I think. Oh, no. I think Absolutely the not. whole like understanding cancer did in general. Well, that and Ella, it, it smells real bad. Yeah. And it makes your teeth look awful and you prematurely age. So there are lots of vanity reasons not to smoke. And I think a lot of that was probably pretty compelling. Yeah, I think medicine caught up with people living into their 80s and the smokers, not that we finally <laughs> noticed the difference, like, culturally. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, uh, that's how we make super cockroaches or super corn cockroaches or corn super roaches, right. whatever you Some want to call them. Some kind of weevil. Yeah. As a result of that, you don't have bees and butterflies who would have been part of that process anyway, um, in part because uh, thanks to genetic engineering, we have corn that doesn't need fertilization to work um, while simultaneously being sterile itself. Mm. Modern agriculture is weird. Yeah. So we've bred the need for the bees out of existence um, for, you know, these handful of Frankencrops and have made an army of roaches in their place. <laughs> Neat. And um, the other bad thing with monoculture, which is um, a crime against humanity, is the U.S. has enough food to feed the United States. But because of the way the regulations are written by the lobbyists for Big Pharma, we have scenarios where, let's say you're a pseudo-privately owned super corn farm, and the price of corn dips. Well, corn is your only product, and maybe you have someone who plays the corn market and says, well, this kind of dip is usually followed by a boom. So <laughs> let's hang on to this. And because you don't want to sell it at a loss. Um, and, you know, there's all tax incentives into doing one thing versus the other. And what you get is piles of rotting crops and hungry people across the nation and I mean the world because you know we're not the only people guilty of this and it happens in every crop and the most infamous example of this is uh my favorite because it's a uh, millennials killed one hmm. uh, which is that uh Wisconsin made too much um of too much legitimate American cheese um, or rather, Wisconsin overproduced milk. Um, right. And because... Millennials killed milk. And because millennials kill milk because... With our lactose intolerance well, and our intolerance of our lactose intolerance. Well, yes, it, it's a combination of that. Um, and the fact that we're not buying into ye old Edward Bernays uh, uh, propaganda on cereal. You know, right. Because we have just avocados and bacon for breakfast. And we know bacon is propaganda, <laughs> but that one's delicious. Yeah. You know, but it's because millennials either skip breakfast or have gourmet breakfast, like hot breakfast. Um, and just all the various other reasons that are expanding demographic, um, which is 
taking over only because, again, reminder, some of us are almost 40. Yep. You know, it's, it's just a generation coming of age. <laughs> <laughs> they had too much milk to deal with. Uh, so rather than figuring out how, how to preserve milk in its liquid state, one thing you can do is make cheese out of it. Unfortunately, they chose to make American cheese out of it. Um, and this is not, you know, cheese food and cheese-like products and all the mislabeled bullshit. Um, uh, this is American cheese in the sense that it is the formula for making cheddar minus the aging. And what these, uh, smart individuals didn't put two and two <laughs> together with is that um, a sufficiently aged cheddar is a dairy product that is lactose-free. As such, millennials ducking love cheddar and other aged cheeses because those of us who have lost lactose to tolerance but are still addicted to cheese because it follows the same uh, neurological mm. pathways as opium um, <laughs> love cheddars and aged mozzarella and all sorts of um, other aged cheeses because lactose breaks down if you age something for a couple of months. But once you've already interrupted the aging process and have declared it American cheese, you can't put it back in. Yeah, that's unfortunate because, like, who wants that? Right. So, you know, what we have is American cheese, which, I mean, um, quality American back when I could eat it, you know, versus, you know, crap singles um <laughs> does have a uh distinct taste you know that is enjoyable and you know it, it's you know it's its own flavor um that you know is a valid part of a sandwich that you may choose over another cheese but um the the point is there is not much use for this other than um breaking it back down into cheese food to put into other, you know, craft bullshit products that millennials also aren't buying, like boxed mac and cheese. I like boxed mac and cheese, but I it's know. true that I don't buy yeah. it. <laughs> I would eat it if somebody bought it for me, yeah. <laughs> but I just don't. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's the infuriating part of it, is that because of monoculture, these farms don't have a plan B for when prices just aren't what they want to be. So they do these things because all the regulation and tax incentives are there for them to do the thing that is worse for humanity rather than, you know, feeding people, which, right. you know, it, it's kind of like um, insurance companies where they forget that their job is treating people. And, you know, it's just treated like a profit center and the healthcare of it all is, you know, just sort of a word that's on paper sometimes. Yeah, that's just like a semi-related yeah. <laughs> facet of the profit sector uh, that is health insurance. Man, I have to choose between two health plans and it's like, it's so bad. It's so screwed up what we, the, the options that we have. Yeah. And I have, and like, I work at a pretty big, good company. Like my dental plan is great, but yeah, <laughs> but like the medical stuff is just, 
And I mean, of course, we're as a society, we're getting less and less healthy, <laughs> and our 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 medical care is getting worse and worse and more and more expensive. And it's just like basically everything's going to shit. I mean, that's that's the theme of this podcast, really, is everything's going to shit. Possibly, we can halt it with sufficient quantities of socialism and trains. Yep. Uh, so trains is the last thing here. Um, <laughs> oh, I didn't know we were going to make it around to trains. Oh, Excellent. I'll always find a way. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> um, so we need to get rid of monocultures. Um, and the the way to solve the logistics of food um, is, well, I mean, I already said it. It's logistics. <laughs> right. The uh, one oil I'm, uh, I'm allowing it to take place in farming and food uh, production um, is the same one that's used for distribution, namely diesel, because, um, and, you know, this is one of the great tragedies of the 20th century, is that the inventor of the diesel combustion engine, um, for whom it is named, um, mm. like it's his uh, last name, I, or maybe it's like, you know, Von Diesel or something, um, and one of the, by the way, the great mysterious unsolved disappearances, that's very mm. unsuspicious when we're talking about things like big oil. Um, mm. But he invented the diesel cycle um, with his fuel in mind for doing this because petrol diesel wasn't invented yet, was crop derived diesel. Or biodiesel as we know it today. Right. The whole idea behind the invention was, you know, here's an internal combustion engine that um, is applicable to farming equipment like a tractor, and it could be powered by its own feedstock after, you know, sufficient processing. And, you know, like, what a beautiful ideal that we just literally threw out the window because oil started spewing out of the ground in Pennsylvania and history has been fucked ever since. At least if we stick to petrol diesel um, powered things, they're still plug and play with biodiesel. And with the logistics of it all, farming used to work by trains, you know, before the car was invented. It's not like we didn't have farms between the Civil <laughs> War and the uh, First World War. I mean, they used to have wagons to cart things from yeah. the country to London or whatever. Like, it's it's not, it's not like you had just subsistence farmers everywhere only supplying their own. But anyway, right. But that's how cities work and expanded because cities, you know, were starting to be a thing well before the car, um, which is why <laughs> a little bit before the car, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it worked before and it could work again and. This is one of the things where, you know, computers can be used for good because, you know, instead of just letting AI run amok and, um, you know, masturbating to blockchains, you <laughs> can just do some actual algorithmic logistics and decide which train goes to which farm to get um, which mix of things and distribute them across the nation with sufficient refrigeration and not any uh creepy yield adjusting preservatives instead mm. yeah that gets back to trains oh and of course if we build out the rail lines to do this now and you know run them on petrol diesel now and start converting them to biodiesel um 
we also have the option of electrifying rail, which is the only electric-based transportation that actually scales, hmm. you know, unlike cars. Right. Because, you know, there's no batteries. It's just wires. And there's uh, one thought I had uh, during this that I wanted to bring up. Um, if you have a chance, um, you should look up the History Channel documentary on the Dust Bowl. Um, mm. It's back... Uh, it's a pre-Ancient Aliens History Channel, so I think it's widescreen but not HD. So you could watch it blurry but in the correct aspect <laughs> ratio. Cool. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's one of those, you know, like uh, four-hour runtime. So in reality, it's, you know, like two times 88-minute halves um, when you watch it without commercials. It's on iTunes. You can find it. Um, but uh, the Dust Bowl was caused by people moving to states like Oklahoma and trying to grow the crops that grew in New England and just sort of forcing it and ruining the soil. And uh, dust storms are sort of a constant state of China. It's kind of blurred in with the actual pollution, so you can't tell what's, you know, um, what's due to their bad copying the worst of us farming and <laughs> uh what's actual pollution um or what's you know just part of their mountaintop coal removal um mm. but you know it's it's a piece of history that's a lesson that can be learned from and at the scale we're at now so you know the dust farm i mean the dust bowl screwed over subsistence farmers and kind of bothered the East Coast. Hmm. But if um, if our main Midwest, Midwest super farms succumb to destroying themselves to that degree, I mean, at that point, yeah, the nation will starve. Or, I mean, you know, the people who make less than six figures will starve and, you know, we'll be paying $3 per ear of corn, but... Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That's how it always works. Right. Going to shit. That's not a joke. We need to end on a joke. I'm sorry. It's just <laughs> there. I, <laughs> I, I'm trying. I just, I, it's not very funny, unfortunately. I mean, even the mountains of cheese. Sort of. <laughs>